moment of truth is a, it's a crossroads, isn't it? It's when you get to a point and you know, okay, I've, I've heard these things and I know these things and I believe these things and now I'm at a moment, a crossroads, a point in time where I have to make a choice, where I have to decide, do I go this way or do I go that way? And we've done it that way. We've called this year a moment of truth for a lot of different reasons, one of which is because we're going through the Gospel of John, and John presents the Gospel that way. John presents the Gospel as a moment of truth to say, here's Jesus, Here, here's the sorts of things that Jesus said and the sorts of things that Jesus did, here's the things that Jesus claimed, here's who Jesus is, do you believe Will you follow him? And our life is filled with those sorts of moments of truth, isn't it? Where we have to decide, what will you do now? What will you do now? You've heard the truth. You've heard these things. What do you believe? Now's the opportunity. Now's the time. Now's now's the moment when you have to make a choice. And so every week we've sort of laid out here, here's what the text says, here's all the things that Jesus is saying that he is. Now, what about you? What about you? Because it's easy, isn't it? It's easy for all of us to just show up and to just listen and say, okay, yeah, 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 I believe all that, that's true, that's good, okay, yes, Jesus said that, Jesus is this, and then we just go back to life as normal. What if, what if we really decided I choose to follow Jesus. And I want to be really practical the next few weeks. What does that look like to be a follower of Jesus? What would it look like this week to say, this is my moment of truth and I choose to follow Jesus? And what would that look like? So today I want to go through, in fact, for the next three weeks, we're going to go through uh, John chapter 13, and we're going to look at some of what Jesus did and what Jesus said, and then we're going to sort of break that down and say, here's very practical ways we can live that out. But, but at the end, we're going to ask ourselves a question. We're going to have a moment of truth. What will you do with this? What will you do with Jesus? What will I do with Jesus? Will I follow him today? Will I follow him this week? So if you got your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And this is a story we probably know well, but one I think, I hope we can look at with sort of fresh eyes and again ask ourselves, will we follow his example? John 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper And he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Now, it it never dawned on me until this week. And as I was studying and thinking about and reading some commentaries and thinking through this, this text this week, it dawned on me that what Jesus is doing here is really a reenactment of the, the incarnation. 
It's really a reenactment of the gospel. Notice it says that he laid aside his outer garments. He took off his robe and he laid it aside. And then he wrapped a towel around his waist. He took his his outer garment, his robe, and he laid it aside so that he could take on the form of a servant. Isn't that what, what Michael read for us this morning? Isn't that what the gospel is all about? That Jesus did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He emptied himself and took on the very form of a servant. In this act of washing his disciples' feet, in the very act of taking off his robe and laying his robe aside and putting on a towel and going to work, Jesus is acting out, this is who I am. This is everything I am. This is what I'm all about. Taking off my robe, putting on the form of a servant, and serving others. Now, if we're going to, and we'll get to this more later, but if we are going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and serve in the footsteps of Jesus and live like Jesus and serve like Jesus and love like Jesus, then we're also going to have to take off our robe and lay it aside. We're going to have to take off our ego and lay it aside. Oh, Michael's communion focus this morning was so incredibly perfect, wasn't it? It's so easy to do good works in a way that makes us look good and to be worried about and to be thinking about and to be focused on what do people think of me? Do people like me? Do people like what I'm doing? Do, do, I, do I look good doing it? And Jesus teaches us, if you're going to love like me and live like me and serve like me, you have to take your robe off and lay it aside. You've got to take your ego off and lay it aside. Wrap a towel around your waist and serve like me. Verse 7, or sorry, verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Lord, 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 you're the Lord. You're the master. You're the Messiah. We've followed you all this time. For years now, we followed you. We left everything and we followed you. You're the Messiah. Lord, do you wash feet now? Is, what are you doing? And I'm sure Peter is saying this, but everybody else is probably thinking it as well. Aren't they? Here you have, here you have 12 disciples, 12 followers, 12, 12 people, 12 young men who've taken and thrown away, essentially, everything else and, and, and hitched their wagon to this guy. And said, we believe you are the Lord and you're going to turn the world upside down. We follow you. You're the deliverer. You're the savior. You're the king. You're the Messiah. We're with you. And then he takes his robe off and wraps a towel around his waist and gets down and starts washing people's feet. Now, it's a little bit challenging for us because we don't live in that culture and because we're so familiar with this story. But that would be the... Think about whatever you think the most undignified job in the whole world would be, that's what Jesus is doing. 
The most undignified thing in the world. And you think nobody, nobody that's anybody does that. Nobody that's great does that thing. Nobody that's awesome does that. Nobody that's powerful does that. Nobody that's rich does that. Nobody who's a leader does that. Nobody who is glorious and honorable and dignified does that thing, does that job. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And so so not only for Jesus, but all of those who are his followers, it's scandalous that he's down there on the floor washing people's feet. And Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? What are you doing? Get up. Have some dignity. Put your robe back on. Take that towel off. What is it that you are trying to accomplish here? Verse 7. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterward you will understand. That's a theme throughout John, that as Jesus is teaching and as he's saying these things, he tells his disciples, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And later, you're going to get it. You're going to understand what it is that I'm saying and what I'm doing. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Never. Mm -mm. No, there is no way I'm going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, now notice the way Jesus says this, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Now, John is filled with these sort of sayings and things that sort of have a double meaning, right? Sort of a double meaning. So on the surface, it's like the woman at the well. You know, first we're talking about water, and then all of a sudden we're talking about living water, and you'll never thirst again. Or, Or we're talking about Nicodemus, and we're talking about birth, you know, and then we're talking about being born again and mother's womb, and you know. And so there's sort of double meaning here, right? And And Peter says, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter says, okay, fine, Lord. Uh, Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. If that's that's what it takes to, to be with you and have a share with you, I guess wash my feet. But not just my feet, my hands, my head, everything. And just think about that for just a second, what Jesus says. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And that's true not only for Peter, but for everyone. We have to allow him to have his way with us. Have your way. Make me what you want me to be. Cleanse me, shape me, teach me, mold me. Jesus says, unless I clean you, Unless I transform you, unless I change you, you have no share with me. Again, that's moment of truth type language, isn't it? Will you allow Jesus to clean you? And this, this is part of it, isn't it? This is part of the cleaning process. Teaching them, this is how God wants you to behave. This is what it looks like to lead. This is what it looks like to love. This is what it looks like to serve. This is what it looks like to be my follower. Jesus said to him, after Peter says, okay, fine, cleanse me head to toe. The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For Jesus knew who was to betray him. That's why That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, who's he talking about? Judas, right? And he knows. 
See, that's, that's the amazing thing to me about this whole story. I mean, it would be hard, especially in that culture. Take your robe off, wrap a towel around yourself, get down on the floor, start doing the job that nobody wanted to do, that even a servant felt like uh, that's a little beneath him. Not only is Jesus doing that, and that would be hard for any of us, wouldn't it? It'd be hard. But especially if you could see the future. Especially if you knew what was about to happen. Especially if you knew, Judas is going to give me a kiss later on in order to indicate to the soldiers, I'm the one to arrest and go and nail me to a cross. He knew that Judas was going to do that. And you know what? Nothing in the text says Jesus skipped over Judas. He washed his feet too. In fact, all of the disciples that night would say, oh, I'm not with that guy, and they'd take off running, right? And Peter would say it with his mouth. I don't know him. I don't know that Jesus guy. I'm not one of his followers. I'm not with that guy. After he said, Lord, I'd go anywhere with you. I'd die for you. And that, that was about to take place. And you know what Jesus did? He washed their feet anyway. He knew they were broken. He knew they were weak. He knew that they would betray him. He knew that those same feet would send those men running in the opposite direction that very night. But he washed their feet regardless. He washed their feet anyway. He knew that Judas's feet would lead soldiers to arrest him and abuse him and eventually crucify him, and he washed Judas's feet anyway. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, again, right? Just like the gospel, he emptied himself, made himself nothing, took on the form of a servant, and because he was obedient, even to the point of death, God has glorified him, right? Do you understand what I've done to you? Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're, you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And Philippians 2, wasn't this Paul's point? His point wasn't just that this is the sort of leader Jesus is. This is the sort of king Jesus is. This is the sort of Messiah Jesus is. His point was, if you are his follower, this is the sort of mind you need to have amongst yourselves. If you claim to be someone who follows Jesus, then you need to do the same sort of thing. And Paul describes it like this. He says, consider one another as being equal to you. Is that what he said? is being equal to you. No, that would be a step up for some of us, right? Consider everybody to be equal to us. But that's not what he said. He said, consider others to be more, more significant than yourselves. Who? Everybody. What? Yes, everybody. If you want to have the mind of Jesus, then you consider others to be more significant than yourselves so that you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Jesus says, do you understand what I've done to you? 
Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me Lord and Master. You're right. That's exactly what I am. And if I, the Lord and Master, can take off my robe and wrap a towel around myself and get down and wash your feet, then that's exactly the sort of thing you ought to do. That's exactly the sort of life you ought to live. That's exactly the sort of service and love you ought to render to each other. If God in flesh would wrap a towel around his waist and wash people's dirty feet, then those of us that are all people, we're not the Lord and Master. We're not God in flesh. And if he would be willing to do that, how much more so ought we to be willing to do that? You call me Lord and Master, and you're right, that's exactly who I am. And if I've done these things, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly. There's this. Remember, we've talked about this before. In Greek, it's amen, amen. And most of the time, somebody gives an amen after somebody says something that's true. And usually, it's just one amen. Jesus gives an amen to himself, and he does it before he says the thing, right? He says, amen, amen, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I mean, the question is, who do you think you are, right? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I can't do that. I can't take my suit and tie off and go do that. I can't roll up my sleeves and go and do that. I can't do that for them, for them, I can't go there. I can't do that. That's beneath me. (laughs) Jesus said, "Do, do you think you're better than me? Do you, the servant, think you're better than the master? Do you, the disciple, think that you're better than the teacher? If I, the teacher and the master, would do this for you, how much more you, the servant, the disciple, the follower, ought to do this? For each other. Verse 17. Here's the moment of truth statement. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Because it's one thing to come and say, amen, amen, Jesus, you're right. We ought to live like that. We ought to do that. We ought to serve each other. I ought to take off my ego and lay it aside and wrap a towel around my waist and go serve somebody this week. Amen. Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do them. So there's, there's my question for us is how do we wash feet? How do we, I mean, we could literally do it, right? I mean, we could literally kick off our shoes and have each other wash our feet and wash each other's feet. We could do that. But what exactly is Jesus saying? Because what Jesus is, is, acting out here in this scene, he will live out shortly on the cross, right? This washing feet is but pointing forward to his ultimate laying aside of his robe, putting on the form of a servant, and dying in order to save others, in order to serve others, in order to love others. So so it has a lot more application than simply let's wash each other's feet literally. We could do that, 
but there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? So I want to give us three things to think about. Number one is serve up. Serve up. When we serve like Jesus and we love like Jesus, when we wash feet, we serve up. What I mean by that is there's a lot of serving that is condescending, right? I feel sorry for you. I have lots of money and you don't have very much money, so I feel sorry for you, so I'm going to serve down to you. I'm going to hand down to you. I'm going to give this down to you. And not only does it often make the person who's receiving that service feel condescended to and say, I don't don't like that feeling when somebody reaches down and pities me and feels sorry for me. I don't like that feeling. But also, when we do that, when we pity someone and we serve down to them and we say, I've got a better status than you, I've got a better life than you, and I feel sorry for you, so I'll help you out a little bit, it makes us feel even better. We feel like we're even higher up. We feel even better about ourselves because we reach down to those poor, pitiful souls beneath us. But that's not the sort of service that Jesus did. Jesus served up. Jesus took off his rope. He laid aside his dignity. He laid aside his ego, and he wrapped a towel around himself. He became a servant and served up. He he took the position of humiliation so that his disciples could have the position of honor. How often are we willing to do that? To serve up to take the position of humiliation, to make ourselves uncomfortable so that the other person feels honored and respected. That's exactly what Paul tells us to live out in Philippians chapter 2, isn't it? Consider one another as more significant than yourselves. Literally there, it means consider others to be your superior. What, what if? What if? What if we served a homeless person not, not because we feel sorry for them. Not because we think we're better than them. Not because we pity them. But because they're an image bearer of God. And we respect them. And we honor them as an image bearer of God. What if a rich person considered their poor neighbor not as someone who is less than them? Not as someone who is beneath them? but they considered them to be more significant than themselves, and they honored them in the way that they served them. In in a few minutes, Mark Bryson is going to have a a reconnect class in here and is going to talk about some of the ministries that we do. And so that got me thinking this week about some of the ministries that we do at McDermott Road. And I think about the Main Street congregation in Dallas where members go all the time, from here, down there, and the, the congregation there at Main Street is constantly feeding the homeless in Dallas. Or I think about our Thrive Ministry. The things from our trailer out here goes to buy produce, and that produce is taken to East McKinney. Or, or the Magi boxes that we put together and take to South Texas and to Mexico. Or, or our ministry down in Nicaragua. Or, or so many other things. We, we do those ministries And you're involved with those ministries, or you could be involved with those ministries, not because we feel sorry for people, not because we consider ourselves to have it better than them, but because we consider them to be more significant than ourselves. 
We serve them because Jesus served us. We serve them as Jesus served us. That's what it looks like to serve as Jesus served. Take off your robe. Take off your dignity. Take off your ego. Lay it aside. Put on the servant's towel and serve. Consider others to be more significant than you. Number two, serve now. Serve now. Taking the initiative. A lot of times we wait, don't we? And we say, man, somebody ought to do something about that. You know, that thing over there that needs to get done, somebody ought to do something about that. I'm tired of that thing going undone and nobody doing that thing about this thing or the other thing. And we wait and we wait and we wait thinking somebody ought to step up and do something about this. What if that somebody is you? What if we just took the initiative? We didn't wait. We didn't say, man, somebody ought to wash these disciples' feet. They're a bunch of stinky feet. You know, somebody needs to step in here and wash these feet. We just lay aside our robe, put on our towel, and start washing. That's, that's what it's supposed to be as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is we, we don't just serve up, we serve now. We serve now. We do what needs to be done because it needs to be done, because we have the opportunity and the ability to do it. We just, we just do it. I heard a story this week about a 12-year-old boy from Michigan. His name is Monty Scott. And apparently, Monty lives in a neighborhood where there's a lot of potholes. In fact, his mother and grandmother were driving their car and they hit a pothole and it, it damaged their car. And so one afternoon, Monty's mom was at work and she got a phone call that said, hey, I saw this video on Facebook and it looks like your son. And so she checks it out and sure enough, it's her son, 12-year-old son, Monty. And you know what he did? He went to the backyard, started taking shovels of dirt and filling in the potholes himself. Right? And mom was like, wow, I, I didn't know he was even going to do that. I had no idea he was going to do that. I didn't tell him to do that. He didn't tell me he was going to do that. And it went viral. He just saw something that needed to be done. Somebody asked him, why are you doing that? He said, I don't want somebody else's car to get damaged the way my, my mom and grandma's car got damaged. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Just do it. Just do it. Sometimes, sometimes it's really easy, especially in Western Christianity, when we think about the church, we think like the church ought to do something about that. And by the church, we mean somebody else, right? We mean the elders, we mean the deacons, we mean the ministers, we mean somebody, somebody from the church ought to go do that. Well, guess what? You're somebody from the church, right? You are the church. We are the church. And when we see something that needs to be done, yeah, get other people involved and, you know, try to, try to work a lot of, you know, Fantastic, whatever, but let's just do what needs to be done. Amen? Amen. Let's just serve now. Number three, serve regardless. Serve regardless. Sometimes we don't serve because we're afraid of what the reaction will be. Sometimes we don't serve because we're afraid it won't be reciprocated. Right? So many times when I was, especially when I was working with youth, but even when I work with adults, and you say, you know, teenager would come to me and they say, well, listen, so, so-and-so is being rude to me. She, she won't talk to me. She won't say, she won't even say hello to me. And I said, wow, that's amazing to me. She won't say hello to you? 
That's rude. I know it's rude. It's incredibly rude. I said, you said hello to her, and then she said nothing in return. And they said, no, I I didn't say hello. (laughs) Why? Well, because I knew she wouldn't say hello back. I said, how do you know that she's not somewhere right now telling somebody the same thing? That you didn't say hello to her? How often do we not do what needs to be done because we're afraid it won't be reciprocated? I'm not going to serve them because I know how they are. I'm not going to serve them because I know what they'll do. I'm not going to serve them because I know what they won't do. Number one, you don't know. Number two, that's not your job, right? To serve based on the contingency that it's reciprocated. Jesus laid aside his robe, put on his towel and washed the feet of men who would abandon him and deny him and betray him. He served regardless of those things. Do we? Do we? Sometimes when we're doing ministry, and I think about a lot of our ministries that we have here, I think about our preschool, and I think about our friend speak, and so many of the ministries that we do here, it would be really easy to say, we're only going to serve these people in these ways if they become Christians and start going to church here, right? And if they don't become Christians and start going to church here, then we're just not going to do these things. No, we serve because it needs to be done. Yes, we want them to be followers of Jesus. And yes, we want to be their church home. Absolutely, but we're going to serve them regardless because it needs to happen and it needs to be done. Wouldn't that be freeing? Wouldn't that be freeing? Maybe it's, maybe it's a relative, a family member, who's done bad things to you or hurt you in some way, or maybe you're afraid they're going to reject you or betray you. What if you just serve them anyway? Just serve them regardless. And say, listen, I'm not in charge of the outcome. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what you're going to do after I serve you. I don't know if this is going to change their heart and they're going to be nice to me from now on or if they're just going to keep on being mean, but I'm going to serve them regardless. Why? Because Jesus has served me. I'm going to serve them because Jesus has served me. I'm going to serve them as Jesus has served me. Serve up, serve now, serve regardless. But here's our moment of truth question. Whose feet will you wash this week? You know these things. Blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are we if we do them. It's not enough to know this is, this is the sort of Savior Jesus is. It's not enough to know this is the sort of Lord Jesus is. This is the sort of King Jesus, Jesus is. He's calling us to follow him. He's calling us to take off our robe, lay it aside, put on a servant's towel, and wash feet. And the same thing that happened to Jesus will happen to us. We will be glorified. God will lift us up when we are followers of Jesus. When we say, this is my new lifestyle. My new lifestyle is following Jesus in self-giving love and faithfulness. This is the way I'm going to live. And I trust God that he will do for me what he did for for Jesus. He will lift me up. He will resurrect me. He will glorify me and I will be glorified with Jesus. I believe those things and because I believe those things, I will live this way. And that's 
That's what we're initially committing to when we're baptized, isn't it? And we say, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm ready to take off my robe, put on my towel, and wash people's feet. But along the way, we get a little bit distracted, don't we? Along the way, people keep telling us, put this robe on. Put this robe on. Take a selfie with this robe on. You know, do this. It'll make you look good. It'll make you feel good. You'll feel better about yourself. Lift yourself up. Nobody else is going to. And you say, wrong. Somebody else will. God will. If I humble myself, he will exalt me. And so I'm going to take off my robe and wrap a towel around myself and wash feet, trusting in him to save me. And maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to commit to that for the very first time and be baptized with Jesus. Or maybe you need to recommit your life to that sort of living. Maybe you need to find a ministry here that's already begun, that's already started, that's waiting for volunteers. Please help us, join us. Let's go, let's do this. Let's serve up, let's serve now, let's serve regardless. Get plugged in. Do what needs to be done. Wash feet this week because Jesus has washed you. And if we can help you in any way, shape, or form, now's a great opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.